Um, well, if you were with us last week, um, for those of you that were, we were talking about this, this passage in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. I want you to hear this, okay? This is where we were last week. It says, come to me, this is Jesus talking, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, which sounds awesome. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so last week we talked about this just like amazing promise that Jesus makes. If you'll come to me, if you're heavy laden, if you've got a lot of weight on your life, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. But then in verse 29, which I think is really important, right? Verse 28, come to me, I'll give you rest. That's the refrigerator magnet, right? But verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Like that, that's kind of a key verse there. And so last week, it's, we, we kind of just said, okay, how do we learn from Jesus? Like if Jesus, someone who was busy, who had the weight of the world on his shoulders, the demands of ministry were at their apex when Jesus was on earth, right? How did he make a promise like this? So we started to pay attention and, and, and we just walked through like I think six different passages of Jesus so often. Dude, welcome back. I didn't know you were back. It's so good to see you back. We walked through six different passages where Jesus was so often slipping away in the intimate spaces to be alone with the Father. And we talked about how, man, if we want the rest of Jesus, it's important to take note of the rhythm of Jesus. And so, so often, the schedule that Jesus had answered first and foremost to the private, intimate spaces with the Father. And so we ended last week by handing out this calendar, if you took one home, and just asking, hey, what's the most important things to your life? And then this week, take this calendar with you and log every day where each of your hours went and then see if where your time is going is matching up with what you consider to be the most important. And obviously as followers of Jesus, I think we all would like to say the most important thing is intimacy with God. It's like that relationship with the Father. And so this past week was just a week to just kind of assess, to look at our lives as is. Man, what is our calendar saying we're giving our first place energy to? And then how do we take that and start giving first place energy to Jesus? What are some of the bad things we can weed out of our life, right, to give first place energy to Jesus? And what are some of the good things we can maybe like get less of so we can get more to the best things? But it's one thing to do what we did last week and to talk about rest and to give a teaching on it and to and take home a calendar. And it's another thing to like hear someone just like share about their life. And so today, instead of giving you like a three-point sermon, which would have been so epic and changed your life, we're going to do something a little different. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to have some people come up that are just really, really awesome people. So last week at the 7 p.m., uh, if you got to go to the prayer gathering, we welcomed in our three elders and their families. So we appointed elders. We got to pray over them and just pray over their families and welcome them into our family. And I think God just put it on my heart to ask uh, one of the families to come here today and, and kind of like a, a two birds with one stone thing. One, we'll get to know one of our elders, one of our newly appointed elders in their family um, as a church. But then two, everything I've heard about this family is that regardless of their marriage and having kids, like everything they're doing answers first and foremost to just pursuing the heart of God. And instead of going, hey, here's four practical ways to pursue the heart of God, I thought it might be helpful just to get a family that's just in the thick of it and still pursuing the heart of God and just to hear from them. So Brent and Lisa Ball would like to welcome you up. So let's give them a hand, warm welcome. It's already on, so you don't just is, the, is the mic already on? Okay, cool. Yeah, it's already on, so you're good. Okay, good. Um, Welcome, Brent and Lisa Baldwin, and introduce your kids. They're here. 
Tell us, who are they? Uh, we have twin 15-year-old daughters, Anna in the blue, and her twin Raise sister, Maggie. Yeah, what up, what up, what up? Starting their sophomore year of high school. And then our son, just turned 13, Jack, in the second row, will be in the eighth grade, is already in the eighth grade this year. Uh, Jack, Yay. a.k.a. Jack Attack. Yes. As uh, I call him, and he doesn't seem to be comfortable with. Okay, just Jack. All right. Yeah, Jack, I got you, man. We had dinner Friday night, so I feel really close to him. I don't think it's reciprocal yet. We'll get there. Uh, that's I great. I think it's reciprocal. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one, it's so good to have, we're actually up here now. We talked about it and prayed about this, like, all night Friday, and it was just so nice. I'm so glad that we get to be here. Me and Brent geeked out about coffee for a long time. A long time. And Lisa watched patiently and peacefully. <laughs> and drank, and was so, yeah, and drank, drank the some coffee. Of the fruit. <laughs> yes. Well, first, let's just start off with just getting to know you guys a little bit. So, who are you? You know, what's your story? Like, just tell us a little bit about you guys. We are Brent and Lisa, as we've been introduced. And first of all, we are happy to be here with you all. Uh, we were here several years ago with the candlelight service, and this is an awesome space. I mean, uh, we enjoyed being here for the candlelight service, but to be here this morning and worship with you, you all are blessed. You've got this really cool facility to worship in, but I don't know if you realize the, the blessing in your small crowd, just mm-hmm. the intimacy and the, uh, it's, it's just a different feeling. So I just really appreciated being able to worship with you, and I know the rest of us did as well. Um, Brent and I are getting ready to celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary this fall, so 32 years of marriage. We met at a small Christian college in Arkansas, Harding University, and uh, moved to Montana for a short while after we were married, and then we've been in the Nashville area since then. Children came along later in life for us, but God's timing is amazing. So this has been a blessing to um, raise these kids in our old age and, uh, and then just have awesome people like Maddie Fowler and um, all the youth at Ethos that we have been blessed with Josh and Molly. If you don't know our youth pastor, it's just been a great gift from God. Um, we live in the country in Wilson County. We love living in the country. We love having people out. Joshua Uh, came and spent Friday evening with us. Um, Maddie's been out to hang out with us. So I think there were five different people at Ethos at our house this last week. So uh, come and walk our trail and um, drink a cup of coffee with us. That's one thing that our family enjoys, sharing where we live. We love where we live and we love having people there. Yeah, and we're excited to have a church gathering there. So I'll let you guys know when the Sunday is. I can just tell you guys' hearts are just postured in a way that you'll receive yeah. that with joy. So we'll. Uh, well, we'll be once there. you have the youth group, that's about 60. So that's maxed us out. So. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Um, well, that's awesome. Brent, anything to add? Anything about you that we need to know? Uh, no. I, everything, <laughs> everything she said was right. Okay, good. And, and I, I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. Okay, man. Um, so both of you guys have been followers of Jesus for a long time. And so. Just in that conversation with intimacy with God, early on, like we have a lot of, a lot of our people are in that kind of mid-20, mid-30 range. So early on in marriage, what did walking with God look like for you? Like what, what did it look like to pursue God in marriage? I think you were married at 23, is that right? Around that age? Right, 23. Yeah, so what did that look like? Where were you guys at with the Lord when things started for you guys? Well, we were both raised in homes that were Christian homes and and then we went to a Christian school, so we were used to going to church uh, three times a week. 
And uh, prayer was a regular part of the day at mealtimes and other times. And even in our dating relationship, we prayed together. And so we started our marriage off with trying to put God as a priority. Now, over the 32 years, I'm not the same person I was then. Thank the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and we're still not quite to the level that you told them. I mean, we're still, God's still working on both of us, but uh, so happy to be a different person now than I was then. And um, one, of the, one of the memories that comes back to me when I think about, did we put God first in our, in our marriage was a decision we made that we got married on a Saturday and then Sunday was the next day and we got married in Marietta, Ohio drove to uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is just uh, 20 minutes away. And then, so the next morning was Sunday morning, first morning of our marriage, and we chose to go to church. So we found a little, a little church and decided to go. And we've talked about that since. Like, what was our motivation? Were we trying to check off the box? Did we feel like that God was going to be mad at us if we didn't go? And we both agreed that our motivation was... was was pure in the sense that we thought, why would we not start our marriage putting God first? And, and so we went and uh, maybe talked to one person on our way out. Um, but now we look back and realize that was, a, that was a significant step because I don't think God was going to be mad at us if our first morning of our marriage we slept in. I don't think he was thinking that. But we made the conscious decision to just to do something that was a little bit hard, getting up, getting going when we were tired, and just going and being with people to worship the Lord. And, and I think that, that kind of got us off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. Why was that so important? Like, I think, I think it's easy to, to make church like a pretty regular thing in our life, but why for you guys was it so important that God was like kind of that first place in your marriage? I think it was maybe our first decision of what to do with our time. And um, it, it just felt like for the two of us that it, it was a pivotal moment of saying, this is what we're going to ground our marriage on. When decisions come up, then, and we haven't done this perfectly through the years, but this is, this is the heart that God has called us to, to say, uh, what is our priority here? So it was just a way for us to establish between the two of us, this is what we are building our marriage on, not on going to church. And, and, and at 23, may have even had, or the two of us, I think you all are way more spiritually advanced than we were at that point, but um, to put, not to just put a checklist, but we knew we are making a conscious decision that this is what we're going to build our life on. Yeah, and I th- what I didn't realize at the time was happening was we were making a trust decision where we were going to put God first and trust him to work out the details. And, and I've begun to realize this more and more over the last few years, that a lot of this putting God first is a statement of trust. I'll put you first. I'll leave the rest to, to work out as you see fit. It doesn't mean those other things aren't important, but you're lining them up after God and trusting that God will make those things work out. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what, um, 
how did you relate to God early in marriage? Because it sounds like you had the spaces carved out. Or maybe first, let's start there. What did it look like? So we say that, like, hey, you know, we put God first. But honestly, that's a very vague, like, thing, right? What does that mean? Because all of us, we go, oh, for me, that's like my 10-minute Devo in the morning. That's putting God first. For others, it's like I sell everything and move to another country. So what, is it, what did it look like for you guys to put God first practically? What, what things were in motion then? 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 Uh, well, we went to church three times a week. Twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. That's the way we were brought up. So we kept that habit. We actually go to church less now than we did then, but we feel closer to God, if that makes sense. And so that was one decision we made. We were, we were just, and we were just naturally going to be involved. We got involved in people's lives. And uh, we also, one of the early things we did, we didn't have TV. And now TV's a totally different world with YouTube and all that, but in the in the late 80s, TV was everything. You walked in a house, it was the center of attention, and every house had a TV on. So we just decided to start our marriage without a TV, and it was a little awkward when our friends would come over from college because that's what you did. You sat, you still converse, but you converse while you stared at the TV. So they had to learn how to. We all had to learn how to communicate and have good conversations. So that's another thing we did early on to say, let's spend our time getting to know people, getting to know each other and not listening to that. Yeah. When we were talking Friday night, one of the things that came up as you guys were just sharing about your story was more of a shift in posture because it sounds like for you guys, so for some of us we're going, our calendar is out of whack. We need to create the spaces for God in the first place. I got the sense that your guys' calendar was actually pretty well maintained. You, the spaces were there, but the posture of the heart, there was like a transition that happened, maybe like in how you trusted the Father. Can you like voice a little bit, Lisa, about that journey of just your, your view of God and his view of you and some of that transformation that took place? Yeah, I think it, um, it, it's really in our married life in 32 years, just in growing together, in abiding in the Lord. Um, we had a heart to want to abide, but I, I don't think that we understood how to listen. And even in the last few years, I mean, God has really taught us so much in how to be still and to listen to his voice. Prayer is, was probably more of a one-way street where we were petitioning and submit, submitting things, submitting requests to the Lord, but didn't understand to be still and listen. And there were times God got our attention, whether we were listening or not. Um, And that often comes through trial. So trials hit us early on in our marriage. Uh, My dad left my mom within a year of us being married, and that was just one of the biggest shocks of our life. And so it the blessing of that is it, uh, when something is so out of your control, it brings you, and I know you've all experienced this, it brings you to your knees. So the Lord got, specifically got my attention in those days. Even when I wasn't understanding to listen to him, I was hearing from him. So um, that's been a journey of growth, and, and he's so good. He meets you wherever you are. It's not a, whoa, you're not there yet. He, he is right there wherever we are at that time. So he wasn't disappointed with us at that point. He was just looking at us going, whoa, you got a long way to go. And he patiently is still doing that. Even at 55, he's still showing us and teaching us new things. 
But so much of that centers around now, around being still and listening to his voice. So having those times carved out has been, uh, it's, it's still a struggle. I mean, Satan brings so many good things to so many church things even. I mean, things of the Lord. So um, in learning when to say yes and when to say not at this time has been a blessing. Something grabbing my attention as you're talking about prayer is that listening. So that all sounds grand, right? I love it. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna sit and listen to God. Tell me, what is that journey like? Because I feel like early on, at least for someone as impatient as me, it's like, all right, look, I've been listening for two minutes. That's all the listening I have for today. God will come back tomorrow. It didn't seem like you said much, you know what I mean? So how do you cultivate a listening spirit? Like, what does that look like in a real day? So it's Tuesday, you're, you're getting some time with the Lord. What does it look like to cultivate that relationship with God where you allow him to speak. And what do you even mean by that? Like allow God to speak. What are you listening for? What's that look like? Well, for, for me, um, yeah, that's a great question. Take, take I, your time. Do, yeah, yeah, I'll just. Uh, that was not a planned question. I'll tell, so. you my, I'll tell you my goal for the morning and it doesn't always work out this way, but uh, I try to, we have a, a playhouse that I built for the girls when started on it when they were seven. Anna drew the plans and I began building it and it's not done yet. So <laughs> we're thinking about changing it from playhouse to pray house because I, I go out there and I take my Bible and a, a journal and I will, right now I'm trying to abide with Jesus because I heard Josh Willis, the, their youth pastor, challenge them, what is it, how do you bear fruit? And the answer is in uh, John, the book of John, where abide with me and you will bear much fruit. So the answer to how do you bear fruit in your life is spend time with Jesus, abide with him. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to abide. I'm not going to worry about the fruit. I'm just going to abide. So for the past 38 days, I've tried to go out there. I hadn't hit every day, but uh, if I miss a day, I just start the next day, and I will uh, read a passage. Out of, I'm going through the book of John, and I just read a passage, and I keep, I keep reading if I want to. If I read three sentences and something makes me stop, then I just sit there for a while. And what I've been doing right now is just trying to put myself right there with Jesus and what was happening in his life. And I just... I may read it over several times. I let my mind wander. If I'm worrying about something, I bring that to him. And then sometimes in my journal, I'll just ask the question, is there anything you want to say to me today? And if you look back through my journal, there's a lot of times there's nothing there. And, but sometimes a, a thought will come to me, and I'll say, what, why did I get that thought? And so I, I don't hear an, 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 at least for me, I don't hear an actual voice but words will come to me, and I'm getting better at knowing that's just me. I'm just, or that could even be the enemy saying things that are completely not true. The more I'm in the Word, the easier it is to recognize that's coming from, I think that's coming from God. That sounds very much like what Jesus might say to me. And also, He knows my heart really well, so if some words come to me or a thought maybe put something on my heart for me to do for Lisa or my kids. I'll just kind of weigh it with what I've been reading, and it will, it will feel very true, but it's, 
I'm not just going to go out and do it because that thought popped in my head. I'm, I'm weighing it against the character of Jesus that I have seen. And so I'll write a few things down. It's pretty sloppy. Um, it's not something I want to show anybody. So, uh, but it's, it's, that's, that's what I've been doing for the, for the last little bit. And just a lot of, I'm using much less words when I pray than I used to. I try not to fill the space with words. And I just try to take my current wow. mood into the time with Jesus. How much of that comes naturally and how much of that is learned? Because I think in a, maybe an instantaneous kind of microwave culture, it's easy to go, I've been trying this for two weeks and I just, I still feel anxious. I still feel all the thoughts, all the noise, and I don't know how to do this thing that this like epic dude is like centering himself and listening to the Lord and it's all, his <laughs> mind is quiet and he can, li- that sounds impossible. So yeah. how much of that has been a learned like discipline and how much of that just comes instantaneously? Uh, for me, 99% learned. Yeah. That's what it feels yeah. like, but it doesn't, that, does, that sounds hard, but it hasn't been hard when I hear that verse about his burden being light, his yoke being easy, I I feel that. It has been easy. But um, I can also kind of go back in my mind 20 years or so and remember hearing those words and thinking, that's not true in my life. It is hard. Why is it not joyful? Why is it not easy? And so I, I just had a lot of learning to do. So I would say that it's, for me, it's been mostly learning, but it hasn't been hard learning. Yeah. The, the passage of, come to me, I'll give you rest, right? It's, it speaks of who are burdened and heavy laden. So I'd love to hear from you. Where, where have you seen that word challenged or proven true? Like, where have you seen a moment where you chose to, to posture yourself before the Lord when everything else was demanding you to like answer to it first. Like I think of the story of the disciples in Mark 1 when they, they wake up and they realize the town really needs Jesus. And so they wake up frantic, where's Jesus? And they go searching for him. And when they find him, Jesus, also aware of all the voices, of all the demands, is praying. And when the disciples come, they're like, Jesus, we need you. And then Jesus immediately answers in like this peaceful tone that he always does. And it's just like, We've got another place to be. Like he just is walking and anointing. So there's that rest that he carries. Have you experienced moments like that where there were plenty of voices, plenty of things that could make you anxious and worried, but as you centered yourself in, just in the heart of God, you felt rest that Jesus talked about? Yes, and we talked about one story Friday night, but um, before I share that, um, in, in finding time to be with Jesus, if for me personally, if I'm, we homeschool our kids, Brent runs his own business, uh, so there's constant activity in our home, people in and out. Um, it's, it's great, but it's not quiet. And so even in the early hours of the morning when I'm up, I'm thinking laundry, I'm thinking grocery list, I'm thinking uh, I teach, so I'm, I teach in their tutorials, so I'm thinking algebra, I'm thinking all these things, and it's very difficult to get my mind settled down. But I think it was difficult for Jesus too, uh, because he had... 33 years, and I think he knew that. So a lot less than I've lived already, and he had a lot to do. And he could see that up close and personal on every person he spent time with. And yet he chose to leave that and go away to a mountainside, off in a boat, whatever, to be alone, to be with the Father and to be alone. And I was telling Joshua, 
um, Friday night, I can still, I still have to fight that panic. Jesus, what were you thinking? There was so much to do and you are God. So why would you waste that time? I'm, I still have to fight that mindset that for Jesus, that would have been a waste of time. He would have been better served to have spent it with the people. But I know that that is not the way it goes. He knew hmm. that even he needed that uh, pure time with just he and the Father. It was that important. He could not do his ministry, even though he, he is God, he could not do his ministry without that. So for me, we have um, a trail around our house. And every morning or every day, whenever I try to find time to go and walk and pray and spend time just me and the Father, there will be dozens of things that hit my head. Reasons that, no, 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 you don't have time for this. You don't have, It's raining. It's whatever. But I know that I have to break away from that setting. And, and it's not that it can't be done, because it can, but it's just something that the Lord has shown me. You've got to remove yourself from this environment. Mm. And nature is just the place that I connect with the Lord the best. Uh, there's no laundry in nature. Everything's already clean. So... Um, but the story uh, that I was going to share is when Brent first started the business, um, everything that he does, he's a consultant, and a lot of his clients um, do government work, so everything is deadline-oriented. And he had a deadline one morning and sent what his proposal and all, all off to the client, and then normally he gets feedback, and then he has to send it back in, and I don't remember what time, but it was due either that morning or noon that day. And so a young man shows up at our house, and he is in desperate need. It is the one-year anniversary of the death of his baby. The baby died from SIDS when it was, I don't know, six or eight months old. And so he needed prayer. He needed to spend time in the Word with um, just someone that he could share with. And so they went out on our back screen porch, and I'm in the kitchen doing whatever I was doing, and panic starts to hit because I'm looking at the clock thinking, I need to go out there and just tell this guy, hey, Brent's got to get to the office and like do whatever he needs to do because there's a deadline. And um, the Lord just stilled my heart at that point that this was kingdom business and that I knew that my husband would honor his client and take care of his client. He wasn't going to just say, forget that. God's got something for me to do. And, and not that everything was going to turn out and, oh, this will all work out perfectly and everybody's going to make money and it's all going to be okay. I didn't understand it at that point, how it would work out, but I knew that the Lord would honor what Brent was doing in listening to this young man and spending time with him. And so it did. It, it, in that instance, there have been other instances where it's like, oh, now what are we going to do? But in that instance, I think it's the only time in his business that he's gotten a proposal back and they had zero changes. So the time he finished with this young man, he sent it off. It made the deadline. And it, but it was such a word to me um, in, in trusting that my husband knows what he's doing. First of all, he doesn't really need me to tell him how to run his business. But secondly, in that he was honoring what God had called him to and that God would take care of us because he was honoring what God had called him to take care of. Mm, that's good. Let's, uh, let's talk about, all right, you've got kids, you know. They're alive and well and beautiful and great, and they're in your life. And how much did, so first of all, we have a lot of people here that aren't married, that don't have kids, that are single, maybe dating, whatever. Um, so when you hear me asking about like marriage and kids, 
Some of us need to go, okay, I'm not married or have kids. Here's the things, though, that are asking for my attention. Here's the relationships. Here's the vocations. Here's the thing. Because we all have things that are, that are asking us for our attention, okay? So don't, don't opt out because I'm asking about children, all right? But, but I do want to ask you guys, because in your context, there's things like, man, how are we going to, one, just survive? We have three kids, and we sleep. I don't know what happens to it, but I'm assuming it minimizes potentially, right? <laughs> but what are some of the things that, that you've done to just cultivate a family that chases the heart of God? What are some like the practical things you've done to just chase God together as a family? Uh, <clears throat> well, there's, I think about several things. Uh, one thing we've done is we tried to minimize the amount of outside activities. There, there's a stereotype that homeschooling takes you out of the social sphere and your kids don't get much social interaction. We've got another, another family from the cannery is here with us, the Crefelds. And they what have, up? Welcome. <laughs> they have three children. They homeschool. So I think they would say it, it actually, because homeschooling opens up all your options, it's the, the opportunities are endless to say yes to things. So we have tried to say no to more than we say yes, and I think about one area is that is in athletics, and Jack, Jack is very athletic, and he's good at it. He's also just turned 13, and we measured him, and he's six feet tall. So that says basketball, which he's good at that too, but he's been in a Taekwondo program for the last... Taekwondo, Jack Attack. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Jack, the name's back, it sticks. That's good. Sorry, so that, that's, as, that's helpful. As he's been in this program. He's, he's a, a few months away from his black belt. So as we saw his height shooting up and his interest in basketball growing, it just seemed natural. Let's get him in a basketball program. And I, I had to fight that dad tendency to be like, yeah, it's going to be great. And then, but I realized that there's practice two or three nights a week, even in the homeschooling world. And then there's games. Plus, he does his taekwondo. And, I, and we just said you know what, he can play next year if he still wants to play. Athletics aren't everything. And we, we learned this because we raised a boy when, when we were earlier in our marriage. We got him when he was Jack's age, 13. He was a super good athlete, quarterback of a, of a 5A high school and good at basketball. And so we, we, we did all that. And we were younger parents then seeing – people that are older than us and saw just how athletics can become a God and can dominate your schedule. So we, we kind of learned that one by going through it once. And so this time we just stepped back and said, you know, God will take Jack where he needs to be. Let's just stick to Taekwondo, finish that thing up. And then next year, if he still wants to play, he can go into basketball. That's a great example. That's awesome. Like it's so practical of something you're saying no to. I'm not a parent, but from what I've understood, sports and athletics can really be very demanding, and it's a cultural thing. Like, a lot of parents are on that train, and they're going hard, and, and maybe that's healthy for them. So that's something you kind of said no to. What are some rhythms that you're saying yes to as a family to, like, instill just, like, following the Lord as a family? What are some things you're doing proactively to just chase God together? Uh, Lisa is having a daily Bible study with the kids, and well, here, I'll let you tell about that. <laughs> Uh, we started journaling when they were little, um, just as a way to help them listen to the word and uh, 
learn how to listen to what God was saying. So we've got lots of stick men, David's cutting off Goliath's head, and uh, not recently, but in, <laughs> and so anyway, even when they were little, just we have lots of journals filled with God's word and with picture images or now transitioning to word images that the Lord has spoken to them through listening to his word. So just trying to put in a daily rhythm and and guys, it's not perfect. It's not, don't look at us and think, man, they've got their kids in the Word every day. There are days that we mess up, and not that we mess up, but days that we don't hit what we want. But in general, this is our heart. And so uh, somebody once said these words, bless me, anything worth doing well is worth, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And I had to think about that. Is worth doing poorly? I've always heard anything worth doing is worth doing well. But if you do, Michael Jordan, I don't think he was just the basketball player he was when he first started in basketball. I'm sure he missed some shots, but he continued on and he continued on and he made that the goal of his life and he ended up being this awesome basketball player. So that's what we wanted to instill in our children and for the Lord to continue to instill in us that this is our life. And there are days that it's not going to go so well. I mean, there are days that somebody might fall asleep in the middle of the Bible study. It's happened before. I can't believe it because I feel like I, you know, I'm so energetic in there. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, do you relate to that? Anybody falling asleep ever? No. 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 No, no not here. No, that's, that doesn't happen. No, they're just living in the Matthew eleven twenty eight. the rest. Just the rest yes, of the Lord. Yes, that's it. You know? Thank I, I you. That helps. affirmation. Yeah. But it's, it's worth doing even on those days that it doesn't look like what you put in your mind. Oh, it's supposed to look like this. Well, Satan can come in and it doesn't always look that way. But you can say, no, the Lord is pleased with even my pitiful little sacrifice here. And, and then he just is so good to bring us quickly out of that. So the, the rhythms of being in the word and of praying together, um, and then being in with church family, ethos students, Josh and Molly are very careful to not let that dominate our week or um, our time. He, he seems to have a great sensitivity to just not crowd activities and Bible studies and everything on the kids. But, but when he does have something going on, then it's a priority for our family. And, and that's when we've, I've seen my kids say no to things that they were offered because they didn't want to miss Tuesday night Bible study, or they didn't want to miss certain activities that ethos students. So starting to become, hey, this is important. Community is important. So those would be the three things in, in being in the Lord's Word, in being still together and listening to the Lord, in talking about what the Lord is putting on our hearts, and then in being in community together. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how important, like, to try to pull it down to even last week, handing out the calendar, how, are you guys, how aware are you of your, of your calendar? Are, are, you, are you doing things every so often to sit back and look at schedule and go, hey, this is where our time and energy is going. Like, how do you know when you're hitting, hitting the right spot, like with your rhythms and your schedule and your busyness? Or how do you figure that out as a family, as a family unit? Unless you had something. Okay. I, what I thought of was two things. One is that Lisa and I have, have a rhythm where every morning, this really started in earnest when I, I started the business uh, eight years ago 
in the morning we we meet together, we read a devotional book together, and we drink coffee and we pray, and we pretty much hit every day. There there have been just a few handful of times when we don't get up early enough to do that. So that that is kind of an anchor point on our calendar, and when we go if we do go a couple of days and that's not happening that's a big red flag something mm-hmm. is out of whack why why are we not able to do this and then at the end of the day we have a family meal and it's important to us to have all our kids at the table us eating together having conversation and now that doesn't always happen but that's another red flag if we go a couple of days without a family meal that means something's out of whack. We're not being able to plan for it. Why are our kids so scattered that we're not able to gather around the table? So we hope to keep that habit going even through high school. That's really good. So once you, that's really good. That's blowing my mind right now. So, so once you set healthy rhythms in place, you say everything answers to these things. That is kind of your, your mile marker. That's what lets you know, oh, we're, 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 our schedules are okay. But the minute those like core things, those big rocks, those important places are getting disrupted consistently, like, and you just didn't, didn't say it for like three months, like a couple of days in a row, you're like, okay, let's assess why this is happening. That seems really helpful. Right. Yeah. And what I'm hoping to do is to get some of these other things that I want to do, my prayer time, my journaling. I want those to get embedded in me so strongly that they mm-hmm. red flag too. And they're just, they're not quite to that level. I think because I'm doing it in community with Lisa, these other things, and with my kids, so they're, they're easier to spot. But now my personal time with the Lord, I want that to jump out at me when I, you know, like, wow, what's wrong with me? Oh, I need to go spend time with the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Let me look at what time it is. Okay. We're doing pretty good. Proud. <laughs> um, I'd love to, to speak into attention real quick. And maybe it's not one, but just for me, like, when I think about the demographic here at Ruby, um, we have, we definitely have married couples. We got some little babies that are hanging out. It's awesome. But a lot of our people are in college or getting their masters and they're single. And this is maybe we'll feel random to everyone, but I, I want to address it. So what would you say to people who are single and, um, wrestling with, uh, maybe their eyes are on the voice of like marriage going like, when are you going to find the person? Like, even that kind of moment, like what would you speak into single people who potentially are in an amazing spot to pursue the heart of God, but there's things that are going, no, you should look like this, you should be doing this. I don't know if I'm even making sense. Just, I assume you'll start talking, it'll be wise, so. (laughs) Um, I understand waiting, and uh, and I'm thankful for the periods of time that we've had to wait in our life. We waited 16 years for our children. And in that time, God had things for us to do. And those things, some of those things were hard things. Raising a 13-year-old boy from inner city Memphis was tough. And um, the Lord grew us through those times. And I can say thank you to that. It's so easy in hindsight to see perspective. It's very difficult when you're in the middle of it to see perspective. And waiting is one of those things. And when you are waiting on, I'm specifically speaking to the singles that are waiting for the Lord to bring someone in your life, I understand that because Satan can come in there and you're not good enough and just all the deceit that he can pile in your mind and or you're incomplete 
And the Lord has actually, and this is going to sound bizarre, but he's gifted you with time. And so Brent just said, one of the most difficult things for us is to find individual, you would think, well, hey, they're supposed to have individual, they're 55, they should have those individual rhythms put down in their lives. Life is constantly changing and evolving. So now that we are where we are with three kids and a home business, and it, it's a whole new ball game that we're having to find new ways to keep those rhythms intact. But if you are single, then you have, and I know you still have busy schedules. I'm not saying you're not as busy as we are, but you have the ability to rely just on you and the Lord. It's just you and the Lord, and that is a gift. And that can sound strange. How could this be a gift? I feel so alone. But I believe that the best thing that you can take into a marriage is a completeness with the Lord. So in this time to say, Lord, show me who you are. Make me into the person that would bless whatever spouse you would bring into my life. So that they're not your answer, you've already received your answer. You've already, young ladies, received your knight in shining armor. Or young men, your beautiful bride, the, the completeness with the Lord will last through the rest of your life. You will be being made complete. But if you can enter into a relationship with that as your most pivotal point, your relationship with the Lord, that is a gift. And I, I think that that is one of the greatest um, uh, foundational points of a rock-solid marriage is coming into that marriage already fully in rhythm with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a place in my life like two years ago. I just remember, I didn't realize that I had any contingencies with God, that, that it was just like, a, God, me and you are, we're good and I'm submitting to your will, but there's this expectation. Like, I'm 25, so, you know, in a couple of years, I should be good to go, spouse, kids, it all, it all should be rocking and rolling. And I realized in that moment that I had made marriage a part of the end all be all with God. Like, they were sharing a space. And I remember, like, just, like, crying because God was like, you need to say the words. Say the words. And I was like, I'm not gonna say them. I was just crying. I was like, okay, God, I do not have to be married. I don't. Like, culture has made that an idol, uh, church has sometimes made that a, a, just an essential component to life. And while it's a gift, God like really broke my heart in, in beautiful ways and was like, I have given you a gift and that you are alone with me. Like you just, you can give me all your time. And, and, not, and, and, and I hear the beauty in being complete as an individual. That's a great way to step into marriage. But being complete as an individual is good because you're complete as an individual with God. That's the end of it. Like that is the end. And God gets to like show you his heart. And so to anyone who's out there that is like, oh, this is great. I'm glad they have a godly marriage. Another godly marriage getting shoved in my face. And I'm gonna see 17 <laughs> engagements on Facebook. And I'm gonna delete all of those friends, you know? Um, but I really, I, that's a big passion point. I feel like it's almost like calling that God has put on my life to like, really minister and disciple and walk with people who are single and like are are accidentally comparing themselves. I'm like, God has gifted you. I don't think he's making you better for your spouse. He could be, but I don't think it's always what's happening. I think he's like, no, I I just have a plan for you. Like nothing's happening. No one's in the waiting. You are complete and I've got plans for you. Like just come and see what I've got going on. And so anyway, I'm not, I'm I'm preaching. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, uh, notes. Next question. All right. Um, well, thank you guys so much for sharing. And uh, I don't have any like beautiful bow. I have some questions to send us into communion, but is there anything else you'd like to share with our space? There doesn't have to be, but anything else in your guys' hearts that you'd like to say? You can think for a second. Don't, don't rush. Thank you for completing that whole thought because, yeah, yeah that really is. Um, and when we were in those shoes with our years of infertility, it came to a point where uh, in relationship with the Lord, Lord, you have the power, you have the ability to bless us and give us children. But even if you don't, we will not bow down to another God. So to you singles or to you young marrieds that are waiting for whatever, wherever you find yourself in life. Joshua is absolutely right. Our completeness is not so that we can be good parents or so that we can be a good spouse. Our completeness is complete in itself in our relationship with the Lord. So uh, we're not doing anything so that we will receive something in the end. We've already received the greatest gift we could have. You want to finish that sermon? <laughs> I want you to open your Bibles to first. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's great. Well, let's go to communion. I'd love for us to talk about a few things. So first, um, as you grab communion, I'd love for you to circle up with two or three people if you're comfortable doing that. Um, and just answering this question, what's one thing that just stood out to you this morning as you were listening? Just what, what's one thing you noticed that, that, that felt inviting or challenging or whatever it is? Just did anything stick out? Um, and then two, um, just, just like pray and discern, what is God inviting you into? in this season? Like, it's, it's a pretty vague question, but I believe as, as you ask God, you'll sense that in your heart over time. So one, what, what stood out to you? And then two, do you sense that God is inviting you into something based off of these conversations? So um, let's stand together. Um, and we have communion in the front and the back, and you can exit towards the middle.